Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, another three hours ahead of you. Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, DeMond Cotton and your boy Q, both in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Of course, throughout the course of the show, we'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. We're one day closer to the big NFL schedule release and excited about that. Want to see exactly what the dates are and where the Raiders will be playing and when their bye week will be and how many travel weeks will they have in a row? When will they go to the East Coast? When will they be on the West Coast? I know a lot of fans get excited to think about when they get to plan their trip to Las Vegas and how are they going to work in their uh, their maybe their vacation time or whatever the case may be. So I know the schedule release is something that a lot of fans get excited about. Of course, it's always something fun for us to talk about as well. So that's coming up. Uh, matter of fact, we'll find out uh, some of the the international games tomorrow. We'll find out the Black Friday game tomorrow. And then, of course, the full meal deal will be on the 11th. So that's something that we'll talk about throughout the course of the show. But we've got some really good guests coming up on the show today. Starting off at 2.30, Nick De La Torre, Florida Gators senior writer from On3 Sports. Sports. He'll join us to talk all things Amari Bernie, the linebacker out of Florida, the sixth-round pick, number 203 overall. Uh, what can he bring to the table? He was a guy that was a first-year – or uh, yeah, the first-year starter there at Florida. He's a guy who went from being a safety to a linebacker. Uh, he brings a lot to the table, right? Had a nice, nice amount of production last year at Florida. So we'll talk about Amari, Amari Bernie coming up with Nick De La Torre from the Florida Gators, senior writer on three sports. It's funny when we talk to him throughout the course of the draft process – like most of the conversation was about Anthony Richardson, and now we're talking to him again, but it's not about Anthony Richardson. It's going to be about the linebacker that the Raiders selected in round six. So trying to continue to give you a little bit of a background on the players that the Raiders added throughout the course of the offseason. And then they have minicamp, rookie minicamp coming up at the end of the week, starting on the 12th. On the 12th to the 14th, all the rookies will be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and uh, doing their work. We won't have media access, but we will be able to talk to them probably next week when they have some OTA action that we'll get an opportunity to talk to some of the players. Uh, either they'll make them available at the podium or we'll get a few minutes kind of one-on-one action with them. But that'll come up next week. So uh, we'll talk all things Amari Bernie uh, coming up at 2.30 with Nick De La Torre. John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610. He joins us each and every Tuesday at 3 o'clock. So we'll just talk all things NFL. And, of course, we'll have to start off with the schedule release and what he's looking for. And he's been covering the NFL like a glove for many, many, many years. And so uh, he has his method to the madness. I think everyone has their method. I always like to see, you know, when the – when the bye week comes, I think that that's always important because you want to see you know, when they're going to get that little bit of a break. Is it early in the season? Is it kind of in the middle of the season? Is it towards the end of the season? And I know most teams like to get it around the middle, but every team's not going to get it at the middle of the season. So some teams get it super early in the season. Then it's like, okay, good luck. You got to go the, the the last fourteen weeks of the season uh, with a game each and every week, but uh, teams always want to have that that buy right around the middle if they can. And you know, as far as the Raiders go, I always look for when the cold weather games are going to be. You know, when the prime time games are going to be. Those are always fun. And uh, you know, so we'll talk to John McClain about the schedule. We'll talk about some other news and notes going on around the NFL that'll come up at three o'clock. Scott Springer, Cincinnati.com. He'll join us at three thirty, and we'll talk about Trey Tucker. 
I'll tell you right now, I was not going to sleep until I found somebody to talk about Trey Tucker. <laughs> right? I, I have had a nightmare trying to find someone to talk about Trey Tucker. Never thought that a third-round wide receiver, a slot wide receiver, a, a fast dude out of Cincinnati would be so elusive when it comes to being able to, to talk about I even reached out to Trey. I was like, hold on, Trey. Can I just get you on the show to talk about you? But, How good uh, are you? Right, exactly. Go, come on. Give, give us a little bit of background on you. So I didn't get any response from Trey, but uh, that you know, hey, uh, it's you're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take. So I attempted to do that. Did not uh, get into contact with him. But Scott Springer, Cincinnati.com, does a great job of covering the Bearcats. He will join us at three thirty to talk about Trey Tucker, what he brings to the table. We know he's fast, like that's a no brainer, right? Everyone, if you talk about Trey Tucker, you know he's got speed. But what else does he bring to the table? That's what I really want to get to the bottom of. Three thirty, Scott Springer, Cincinnati.com. He'll join the show. Then at 4 o'clock, our good friend Mike Sando from The Athletic, he'll join us. And I always like talking to Mike, especially when there's big events that happen. He's a guy that talks to a lot of NFL executives. So when he writes pieces on The Athletic, it's not just an opinion piece. It's usually an opinion of many different NFL execs. So we're going to kind of put a, a bow on the NFL draft. I feel like we've talked about the draft for like months now which is fine. I mean, that's what happens in the offseason. You do talk about the draft. You talk about the lead-up to the draft. Then you talk about the days of the draft when it's happening. And then you talk about post-draft. So we'll kind of put a bow on the post-draft when it comes to just what the Raiders were able to do as a collective, you know, what the overall feelings were. But this is based off the article that he put out, again, on The Athletic. And it was talking to NFL execs. As a matter of fact, it's called NFL Draft 2023. Executives unfiltered on all 32 classes. Eagles overrated, question mark. Did Jets crush it? Or rush it? Question mark. So that's from Mike Sando. He'll join us at four o'clock. Just so, like I said, to put a bow on the NFL draft. And I've been very adamant, Demond, when I say that I feel like the Raiders did a solid job. I don't think that it was a home run draft by any means. You know, I remember coming out of the draft last year and looking at what the Jets did and said, "Wow, that was a great draft." But then again, they had multiple first-round picks. They were able to get some really big difference makers, and you saw what happened. Their defense was really good, and their, their offense wasn't worth the salt because they didn't have a quarterback. Now they have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, so we'll see what happens with the Jets. But I didn't come out of this draft thinking that for the Raiders, like, oh, my gosh, that's the greatest draft they've ever had. I couldn't tell you the last time I came out of a draft and thought that. Even the year that they went and got Mack and Carr and Gabe Jackson, I didn't think that it was like a home run draft, even though it turned out to be really good because Gabe Jackson was a really good player. Khalil Mack turned into a really good player. I thought he was going to be good. I didn't know he was going to be that good. Right. I mean, I thought he was a better player or a better, better prospect, I should say, than Clowney. I, I just didn't I didn't like Clowney for Houston because the way that uh, Romeo Cornell ran that defense there in Houston, I thought that Mack was a better fit. I didn't think that Clowney was going to be a guy that was going to be injured all the time. And so I didn't I don't want to, like, you know, pat myself on the back and say, oh, I, I could see that in the future. I, I didn't see that at all. I just thought that Mack was a better fit. End up turned out to be a really good Raider, right, and end up being a really good player. So that draft, when uh, they drafted Carr, that was 2014, they drafted Mack first, then Carr, then Gabe Jackson. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else they got. I want to say what, Latavius Murray, Murray around six, was that, is that right? Was he sixth or seventh? Sixth or seventh. Yeah, I know. but I know he, yeah. was in, he was in that draft it was as well. A, yeah, it was a, it was a late, it was a late uh, round pick. Uh, but that was, that was a really good draft. I didn't know that it was going to be that great, right, at, at first. So I couldn't tell you the last time that I really came out of a Raiders draft and was like, oh, man, they hit it out the park. That was a fantastic one. But I've been maintaining with this one that it was solid. It was, it was, it was solid. I think that the players that they got, a lot of them are going to contribute early. 
and you're going to see if they can develop. And if they do develop, like Dave Ziegler and company believe they, they will, then they can be on to something. But I think this is a draft class that you're going to have to look at and just kind of see how it develops. So Mike Sando will, like I said, help us put a bow on the uh, 2023 NFL draft coming up at 4 o'clock. And again, he has it for all 32 t- uh, teams in the piece that he put out on the athletics. So those are the guests that we have coming up on the show today. Nick De La Torre, Florida Gator, senior writer on three sports, two thirty. John McClain, gallery sports.com sports radio, six ten at three Scott Springer, Cincinnati.com at three 30 and Mike Sando from the athletic at four o'clock. And of course, throughout the course of the show as well, we'll be listening there talking to you at seven Oh two, three, six, five, nine, two hundred and the don't be broke.com text line at six, nine, one, eight, seven keyword R and R. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So two things here for you, and it's funny, we still have the Black Friday conversation going on. I had the Black Friday game talked about yesterday in great detail just because I thought it was a no-brainer that the Raiders were going to be part of that. One, Damon, you'll probably be happy to know, I've received multiple DMs from people. I had one guy about an hour ago DMing me, explaining to me the Raiders' color scheme. I was like, thank you. Thank you for catching me up on the Raiders' color scheme. How long of a conversation can that be? Well, he was – I think he needed to explain to me why it, was a no-brainer, why it wasn't a no-brainer that the Raiders were going to be uh, playing on Black Friday and basically getting into, well, you know, the Raiders don't wear all black. And I was like, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very aware of that. You know, I know I, I, know I haven't talked Raiders very long, but I'm very well of, aware of the color scheme when it comes to the silver and black. So, one, I thought that that was funny. But, two – it's been brought up by, you know, multiple outlets now. Pete Schrager from uh, NFL uh, Network, the, the, the uh, Good Morning Football Show, they were talking about the Black Friday game as well. So Vic Tafer, who we talked about or talked to yesterday, and I asked him about that Black Friday game, he, uh, he tweeted and tweeted at me because they said, I guess Peter Schrager asked who should be playing on Black Friday. And so then Vic, and he kind of took it as his own idea, which it was kind of partially my idea, but it's cool. He said, this was his tweet, uh, hold on, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, I'm looking at it. He said, Raiders, Steelers, and then let the two-team rotate, hosting it each and every year, and then at your boy Q254. So he included me in on it after we included him on the conversation yesterday. So I thought back out there. <laughs> I thought back out there. What are your thoughts on Vic's idea of a Black Friday game, the Raiders and Steelers each and every year, but the two teams rotate the home team? So one year the Steelers will be the home team, and the next year the Raiders will be, or vice versa, whatever the case may be. Every other year it flip-flops. That's, that's Vic Tafer's idea. That wasn't my idea, but I wanted to pass that along since apparently we're still talking about that. And I'm glad that we'll find out about it tomorrow, and we'll put a bow on it and figure out exactly who's going to be in this game. But this all of a sudden this Black Friday game has become a really big deal. So that's one of the questions that I want to throw out there. But then the other question that I actually had was, what Raider veteran – Somebody who was already on the team, not part of the rookie class, but who are you looking to see take that next step this season? Like, who's going to step up and be that guy this season for the silver and black? They've got a lot of young dudes that they're still trying to develop. So who do you think either takes that next step or needs to take that next step? That'll be the way to, to really word that. So 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r and And so, Damon, I'll start with you. Is there a veteran at the top of your head that you're thinking of that you feel like has to needs to take a step or will take a step this year? Needs to take a step, Nate Hobbs. Are we going to consider him a veteran yet? Yeah, he's I, a veteran. I, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's been vet. on the team long enough. Yeah. Also, Chandler Jones. It's got to be on that defensive side where it's these guys that need to take a step forward. I was thinking maybe some of the free agent acquisitions. What do you think? What do you think? Chandler, what do you know? They don't count really. Yeah. What, what do you think Chandler Jones does? 
What do I think he well, because, does? Because I, I look at it, and I, I don't really look at him as a guy that I expect to take a, a step, right? I, I look at him and just kind of think that he's going to be who he's going to be, right? I mean, he's going to give you anywhere from, you know, five to seven sacks, and, and that's just what it's going to be as long as he stays healthy. You know, he's going to be a guy that's going to contribute uh, as far as practice. He's going to be, you know, important and vital in the practice uh, setting like he was last year, and that's not my words. That's the words in the locker room. The players in the locker room have said that uh, multiple times last year that he provides so much leadership and really kind of helps these guys learn learn a lot during the practice setting. So I, I kind of think Chandler Jones is going to be who he is. You know, you're going to get anywhere, like I said, from five to seven sacks and just call it a day. Everything else is kind of gravy as far as I'm concerned. Five to seven sacks, I mean, you put you bumped that up to eight, maybe nine. I'm happy with that. Where it's, I do need more out on the field where you mentioned all of the good stuff in the locker room. You think he's got eight or nine sacks in him this year? I think I think he does. I don't think he does. I, I think, and, and that's not a discredit to yeah. him. I just think that he's just kind of older in the tooth, and that's just kind of who you are. I think, you know, it's always like everybody needs that adjustment period. I don't want to think that one of the – I know it's the all-decade like the all decade team. Yeah. But I don't want to think that a player like that, that he's fallen off so far that he's not going to be able to, you know, give the Raiders that push that they need when it comes to that pass rush. Because if he's, if he's just average or, ah, you know, he's passable, I think that Tyree Wilson, he's going to need more time to come along when it comes to he's not going to be ready, you know, that first game out of the gate. That maybe even that first month. So for me, Chandler Jones, I need for him for the sake of this hmm. team. I need him to have a bigger, a bigger production input that he had last year. And Nate Hobbs is just, eh, we need to see it more because we we all love him. The fan base loves Nate Hobbs, and it's Nate Hobbs is a great guy. But I need a little bit more production from him. Let's as well. stick with Nate Hobbs. Let me ask you this: Does he stay at the outside corner or does he slide back to slot? I think that you stick him in slot. I know it was fun to experiment with that last season, but for me. Focus on the on the one thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. And then if it comes to a special package or a special receiver that he has a matchup on that he could just follow him around the field the entire time and line up with him outside, then that would be great. But for me, keep the main thing the main thing and lock down being the best nickel corner in the game. Okay. All right, fair enough. So Nate Hobbs, uh, according to DeMond, go back to the slot and hold that down. And then Chandler Jones, he wants to see more from. I like that. What are your thoughts? 702-365-9200-69187, keyword uh, R&R. That's adobebroke.com text line. And I'll go and uh, say, uh, one, Trayvon Merrick. And I know Raider Mac right now somewhere is smiling. Uh, yeah, Trayvon Merrick is a guy that I think needs to step up. Right, I'm not saying he's going to step up in a major way, but I think he does need to step up. I think that the Raiders have provided a lot more competition uh, with some of the free agents that they brought in. Of course, they've also drafted Christopher Smith, the safety out of Georgia, and I think the best guys are going to get on the field. Right, And so we've talked about Trayvon Merrick. I liked him from the minute he was drafted by the Raiders out of TCU. I was a guy that w- watched him, covered him a lot in the Big 12, so I know what he's capable of doing. And I know his rookie year, I thought he was good on the opportunity to get a lot better. But last year, due to injury, due to a new playbook, due to just not quite understanding, whatever the case may be, I'm not here to make excuses for him. Whatever the reason is, he's made a slight regression in, in 2022. So I think he needs to step up uh, in a major way. And you know, one more guy that I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and point out on the defensive side of things that I think uh, that needs to have a big year or maybe even a big training camp is Amik Robertson. Remember last year at training camp preseason I hung him out to dry. Like, Amik was done. His, that game against the Patriots, that fourth preseason game, I said, okay, that's going to be his probably his last game in the silver and black. And he made the team, and he played pretty decent. He had moments where he played really good, made some plays, and then he had some moments where he's like, ah, oh, damn, right? Just wasn't, wasn't where he wanted to be. It wasn't up to the standard that it should have been. So I think that he's probably got to make a, or have a big training camp. 
just to make the 53-man roster? Because, again, there's a lot more competition. You trying to cut him again? No. No, I just said that I, he has to have a big training camp. I ain't trying to cut nobody, but everybody has to get their job, right? Everybody has to do their job and earn it. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to cut him. I'm, I'm actually rooting for him. I, if, you, if you notice, over the season, me and Amik became pretty close. <laughs> you know, he actually ended up being the homeboy after uh, a while. And I even told him. I, I, I had no problem saying that I was surprised that you made the, 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 the roster. Except for in that game four, he had a really good game four in that preseason game. So, yeah, I mean, look, again, I'm not trying to cut him, and he knows that every game is important. I just think with the competition that's been brought in, he's going to have to play a major role in training camp, really earn his spot, and, and also in preseason as well. I just think that that's, a, that's something going to be big for him. But what are your thoughts? i uh, got a couple different subjects out there. Vic Tafer suggested that Black Friday game be the Raiders and Steelers each and every year, but have the, t- the, the home team rotate. So one year the Raiders will host it, the next year the Steelers host it. Vice versa, back and forth. Uh, that's from Vic. So what are your thoughts on the Black Friday game? And then also, what Raider veteran are you looking to take the next step this season? Who do you think needs to take the next step this upcoming season? Got one quick text. Black Friday is for the cheap stuff. Put the worst teams from the previous year on it. <laughs> that's disrespectful, right? <laughs> that's disrespectful. Here you go. You get the Black Friday game. You get the, you get the, uh, the bargain deal. I bet you ain't going to get no bargain ticket. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be the good deal. That's what Black Friday's about. Not so much of it being cheap. You get a good deal. So you should want to give the fans, like, hey, this is a matchup game. Right. That not just – I don't think anyone wants to see who were the worst two teams in the league I last mean, year. If you're gonna get, like I said, if you're going to give them a discounted ticket price, then maybe, but – uh, I don't. I don't see that happening. I don't see anybody giving out no uh, cheap tickets. So I don't think that that's going to happen. I still like the Black Friday game for the Raiders. I really do. Uh, Raiders Steelers every year. That'd be cool. If you know, but I, I just think that that should be a Raider home game. I really do. I mean, again, silver and black. The mystique of the Raiders. The stadium is black. Uh, as Vice Raider called in yesterday, everyone comes to Vegas for Thanksgiving anyway. It just makes too much sense. And and why not the Raiders have a game that's theirs, right? Why not just have a game that is theirs? The NFL loves Vegas. They love Vegas, so why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they want to embrace that like that? Mailman Raider said on the Don'tBeBroke.com text line at six nine one eight seven keyword RNRQ. If we play the Steelers every year, I'd like it like having a fifth division rival with another historic franchise. I dig, and I'll go with Hunter if he's on the roster. I know he had a one thousand yard year, but he has now has competition. I think Jimmy excels in the intermediate game, which is what Renfro is. I can see him stepping up in a huge way. So he's good with the. With the Steelers each year, little uh, fifth rivalry game or the fifth division rivalry game, that would be cool. And then Hunter Renfro is the guy he's looking up. He's looking to have a, a big year and step up as long as he is on the roster. Mailman Raider, thanks for that text. I do appreciate you. Let's go out to the phone lines now at 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Raider Dave in Denver. Raider Dave, what's on your mind, brother? Hey, I love the uh, podcast where the idea came out, the first I heard of it anyway, of doing this. Uh, Steelers would be okay. I don't think it's every year, but you got other teams in the NFL that do have black uh, uniforms. you got Atlanta. you got the Ravens. Uh, you've even got, uh, of course, the Steelers too, but you've got New Orleans and even the Cardinals. So, yeah, make that a, a Raider home game, but bring in those other teams. I think it would be great. And you, know, you get a lot of argument from the Walmart-owned uh, Denver Broncos. They <laughs> want to be a part of it. But who cares? And then uh, as far as uh, a player, I think you're right about Merrick. I just don't understand why he plays so far off the line of scrimmage. But I'll tell you what would go a long way with him, no matter what he did, is catch balls. And I would love to see in the preseason games the emphasis on catching balls. Whoever catches the most balls is going to make the team. The games don't count anyway. Who cares if they end up scoring on you? Go catch balls. 
I like it. I like it. Get in the habit of catching the balls and making some plays. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that, Raider Dave. And you're right. It feels like sometimes Trayvon Merrick is playing on the warning track, right? <laughs> Doesn't want the ball to get hit over his head. Playing on the warning track. No, nah, man, sometimes you got to play up a little bit closer. It does feel like he's so far away a lot of times from the line of scrimmage. I don't know if that's on the D.C., if that's on him, if that's on a combination of the both. I don't know what the case is, but you're right about that. And I would love to see Merrick make some more plays. He's only had one career interception. He's had multiple opportunities to come away with that ball. 702-365-9200. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Who we got? ABA Ivan Davis. Uh-oh. Welcome to the show, ABA Ivan Davis. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, how's it going? Uh, what's up, DeMond? <laughs> what's going on? Uh, look like you, me, and DeMond got to educate you on Chandler Jones. Man, Chandler Jones need to really step up his game for the sake of that rookie. That rookie is compared to him. Right. And if you're going to teach, you've got to be able to uh, do it. Now, I agree with you. He's a little older in the tooth. Yeah. However, he uh, at, at least get increased the pressure. There was a whole bunch of times he just didn't show up. Okay, we didn't hear from him to what? We something and there's one guy he, he can't do that. Even if he don't get no sacks, he has some pressure, stuff to run. I because mean, his job is to teach the rookie. I and mean, he can't come out and just say he's gonna teach the rookie and then not do it on the field. So I think uh for the sake of the quarterbacks and stuff, he needs to put pressure. Now, for that Black Friday, you're missing the one game that would mean almost everything to Raider fans on Black Friday, the forty okay. nine. Raiders 49ers every year. Are you kidding me? Okay. Froth at the mouth. We froth at the mouth in the barrier to, to see that game begin. I mean, the NFL, that was just, that's just too juicy. That That's too juicy. Okay. You don't even need to sell tickets for that game. But anyway, you know, I'm sure everybody else got some pretty good ones out there. So, go Raiders. There he goes, ABA Ivan Davis. And, look, I'm not – I don't need to be educated on Chandler Jones. I know who he is. I just don't know if he's capable of any more. Right? I mean, he got – I, I want to say, and DeMond, correct me if I'm wrong, he got pressures early in the season. He just wasn't getting home. Yeah, and then that was like the, the narrative that was started up. Hey, once he starts getting home, right, right. then he'll turn it up. Right. But then it, like the sacks just – never they still never came, even though it said, hey, the pressures are there. Now he just has to actually bring the quarterback down. So it was just a lot of inconsistency, and in, I'll say on our part, of wishing and hoping that, oh, it's, he's going to get it together. And then by the time it looked like he was getting it together, he injured himself in the season. Was what what was it, the Texans game where he had his breakout, where he got his first career sack with the Raiders, and then he had like three in that game or something? He had, he had a pretty monster game. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about it. Again, I, I don't want to go into the season saying Chandler Jones is going to come away with like 10 sacks. I think that that's unrealistic. If I set the bar at around, like I said, anywhere from five to seven, and he ends up with 10, great, fantastic. Anything over seven, I think, at this stage of the game for Chandler Jones is a good win. And I think he can help Tyree Wilson and help teach Tyree Wilson a little something-something. I think that that's going to go a long way. And then you have uh, Max Crosby as well trying to help the youngster out. Again, I think that both of those guys are really going to help develop Tyree Wilson because he's a guy who's not at his peak yet. He's a guy who's just really starting to scratch the surface, and that's what's exciting, for at least for me, when it comes to Tyree Wilson. I could tell by looking at him and watching what he does and he, what he did at Texas Tech and, and talking to his coach and talking to others that cover the program, I mean, he's, he's still kind of raw. He's still learning the game. So if he gets those two guys that obviously know a little something, something about getting to the quarterback, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help that much more. And this is when it turned on for Chandler Jones, the Charger game towards the, the second one, of course, okay. to end the season, three sacks in that game. Okay. And then the game against the Rams, even though it was a loss, one sack, two quarterback hits. And then we all know the next game after that, the New England game, he still got two quarterback hits, mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously got the touchdown. Yeah, gets the walk-off. 
and then the game after that, Pittsburgh hurts himself, and right. then the season's over those last two games. So it was only three games where we can pinpoint and say, man, Chandler Jones really showed out those games. Right. Three well, sacks. Four and one, a half sacks total? Yeah. The season? yeah. Four and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. And then it was three in those two games. And then the game where he didn't have a sack against New England, he still had that walk-off touchdown. There you go. Well, see, that's, that's, I mean, that's kind and of that's my point. that's only three games. Right, exactly. But, I mean, again, uh, everything that you heard in the locker room from all the players, again, not me, from the players, you heard them say how instrumental he was in the help developing these guys and how important he was during practice and all the leadership that he brought to the table. So I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm assuming that he's going to do that exact same thing this year. And then I'm assuming that his play is going to be similar to what we saw this past year. I mean, it's just it's just that simple, right? I just again, I don't think that guys get better the older that they get. I feel like that okay, you kind of know who he's going to be. So, he might get off to a better start. I think that's kind of what what slowed him down last year was he didn't get off to the hot start. So, again, if if he gets around 7 or 8 sacks for the whole season, I'm good. I'm good with that. That's 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 a win. I mean, think about it. Max Crosby had what 12 and a half sacks last year, and who was the next guy? Chandler Jones? I mean, 12 and a half. No, I'm, now I got to look. No, it was. It was. No, I can tell you it is. Dang. Now, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so if if it's if it's Max Crosby at 12 and a half, and then also Chandler Jones is at around seven or eight, and then maybe Tyree Wilson pitches in, you know, four, four and a half, whatever. He, he pitches in that. And then a couple other guys step up, get, maybe get some pressure from the linebacker position like the Raiders got last year. Uh, maybe a couple corner blitzes get home a few times here and there. You know, if they end up the season around, I don't know, what, 40 sacks? Yeah, like I, I'm not trying to be unrealistic. I'm not trying to shoot for the moon. Real quick, because I do remember this. I remember when they first signed Chandler, I was being unrealistic and saying 30 combined. Right. And then, you know, season starts 25 combined. And still, that was still a little too lofty on those two combined. But right. like you said, 12 and a half, and then the next closest is four and a half. And it's a big gap. Yeah. If you, can get, if you can get 12, just say you can get 12 from, from Max. Just say he goes for 12, and, and you look at Chandler, and he gives you, you know, Five or six. I'll even sit. I'll even go high and say seven. Then that's. I mean, you're you're onto something. You know. Now you obviously need more contribution than just that. That's not going to get it done. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles who had seventy. I know that's extreme, but you've got to you've got to start somewhere. So I don't think that they're just all of a sudden going to turn into some sack machine. Even though I think that they have better players along that defensive line, and they'll be able to get more pressure on the quarterback. So again, we throw the question out there to you: six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Don'tbebroke.com text line and the phone lines when we don't have a guest. 702-365-9200. Two questions. Black Friday game, Raiders, Steelers, are you with that? That was Vic Tafer's thoughts. Each team, you know, hosted one year, and then the other team hosted the other year. That was his thoughts. So what are your thoughts on that? And then also, what Raider veteran are you looking to take a step, take that next step this season? Who do you think that could be? Again, 69187, keyword R&R, so com text line. Coming up next, Nick De La Torre, Florida Gator, senior writer on three sports. He'll join us to talk all things Amari Bernie, the six-round pick out of Florida. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. plays of his career and bails out his senior teammate. Another senior, Amari Burning, his third career interception, weighs it for Florida. What a football game. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 
You heard the sounds right there of senior linebacker Amari Bernie out of Florida, and we're going to talk about that player right now with Scott with excuse me with Nick De La Torre from Florida Gators, senior writer on On Three Sports. And Nick, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you today on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You heard the sounds right there from Amari, and uh, sounds like some good highlights that he had in twenty twenty two. So when you see Amari and you saw how he went from being a, a safety to a linebacker, uh, what was the progression like? How much better did he get? at that linebacker position, how quickly was he able to pick that up? Yeah, I think the, the thought process when he came in is they would play safety uh, and, and was almost immediately moved to linebacker. And, and obviously the, the speed of the game from high school to college is a huge jump. Um, and then asked to, put, to play a completely different position. It took some time. Um, he had his best year, I think, by far last season. And, and that's a credit to him and, and a credit to Jay Bateman, the linebackers coach. But I think um, – Amari had taken some time and, and kind of played everywhere. He played a little nickelback for Florida as well. So uh, definitely a, a jack-of-all-trades. And I think at the next level, a guy who, um, you know, will, will make a roster because he's someone you can put on all special teams. And if you're trying to find uh, 53 to put on a roster, you know, you, you make yourself harder to cut if you can play um, on punt, kick, field goal block, and all of those. So I think – uh, a guy who will probably make the team on special teams, but then someone who, as he adjusts to the game, will be able to play linebacker for sure. So what was some of the keys to his success in 2022? I mean, he had multiple sacks, multiple interceptions, a, cu- a couple forced fumbles. I mean, he really, uh, like you said, was a jack-of-all-trades and seemed like he was all over the field a lot in 2022. Yeah, that, I think the biggest thing the biggest thing when you look at him at, at Florida's Pro Day, he actually went through DB drills. And I wondered, oh, I wonder if uh, NFL teams want him to maybe move back to safety. Uh, it's such a, a unique position that with, with the NFL moving to, you know, such a passing league, you, you, you know, a guy like Ben Miller, who I love, who went to Jacksonville, I don't know that he will have the kind of career that Amari Bernie will have just because he might have been better served if he was born in the 50s. <laughs> um, and, you know, playing that kind of style of linebacker. But Amari Bernie has um, sideline to sideline speed. Um, I think, you know, he struggled a little bit covering tight ends, but um, uh, something he can grow on and, and grow as a player, but the, the athleticism that he has, I think, is what kind of sets him apart, and, and they put him in really good positions last year at Florida to take advantage of that athleticism. And was I correct when I said that he was a, a one-year starter there at Florida, like he had to work his way into that starting lineup, or was that incorrect? No, no, he, he started for, um, I think, towards the end of the 2020 season. He was okay. starting a little bit and then started in 21 and 22. Um, I think he started every game last year. Um, he, he's just a great young man. Um, I mean, an adult now. I've known him since he was probably 17, 18 years old. Um, <laughs> but he's soft-spoken. He, he works really hard. Uh, and I think, you know, he, he had a chip on his shoulder not getting invited to the Combine. Um, and certainly, you know, not going getting drafted as high as he would have liked. I, I think you're going to get a guy there in Las Vegas that, that's ready to prove a lot of people wrong. Amari Bernie was a six-round pick, number 203 overall, the linebacker out of Florida. We're talking about him right now, doing a little profile on him with Nick De La Torre, Florida Gator senior writer on three sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. You mentioned how he didn't get that invite to go to the Combine, but the last time we did talk to you, it was about the Florida Pro Day, but we were focused on Anthony Richardson. How did he perform when it comes to the, the measurables and testing mainly the speed at his Pro Day? I think I think speed, you know, it, it, depending on I think all 32 teams were there at Florida's Pro Day, you know, as we talked about probably for Anthony Richardson. But uh, along with that, you know, you have uh, an opportunity to get seen, which I think Amari Bernie did. Um, 
I was surprised, like I said, when he started working out with the defensive backs. But um, I guess, you know, it, it's probably his backpedals like riding a bike. It didn't look like he had taken four years off from, you know, uh, backpedaling and flipping his hips. So I think that's really, you know, to, to say it again, really his biggest asset is that athleticism. Um, I think he has good speed, um, and he's a really fluid uh, runner on the field, too. So it's definitely a jump up. Uh, playing linebacker even in the SEC, so then playing it in the NFL. Um, but I think that chip on his shoulder, you're going to get a guy that's going to come in and want to work and, and, and prove people wrong. And then when it comes to covering tight ends, being he's listed at 6'2", 228, but is it those lankier, taller tight ends where you do have the in this division, like the Travis Kelsey, are those the type of matchups that might give him some trouble? Well, I think Travis Kelsey gives everyone trouble. No doubt. Yeah, okay. no but, doubt. <laughs> so Amari's a good company there. But, yeah, I think – for Florida, it's been, you know, last year uh, Utah came in and, and they had a, a pair of great tight ends. And um, I think he gets caught a little bit sometimes just in, like, short dragging routes. If, if it's a something up the seam, he has the athleticism to, to run and, and, and catch up to those guys. Or uh, on, on longer routes, he struggled with uh, short routes, intermediate routes, crossing routes, things like that, where you can get rubbed and, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I – they call it rubbing, but it looks like, you know, charging if we're watching the NBA playoffs. It looks like uh, some of these guys are saying charges out there. Um, but that, that's where, you know, the biggest hole in his game was last year, was just being in, in man coverage or zone coverage and trying to handle some of the more uh, athletic tight ends that, that can kind of get their hands on you and, and maybe, you know, move you around a little bit. And then when it comes to stopping the run, is he one of those linebackers that's looking to thump anybody that's coming up the middle? He does not mind contact. I, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that he, he. He didn't have that role necessarily at Florida. That was Ventro Miller's role. Like I said, he uh, Ventro might have been a Hall of Famer in the NFL if he were born, you know, uh, in, in the '40s and '50s. He's just a, an old-fashioned, old-school linebacker. Um, and Florida kind of used Amari more at the will at the weak side, uh, more so. But yeah, he's not a guy uh, that's going to be afraid to put his face mask into somebody's uh, pads. Nick De La Torre is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. We're talking all things Amari Bernie. And he said, not me, but he said he had the best hands at Florida. Is that correct? Nah. <laughs> I think uh, you might have 50 guys, including some uh, <laughs> offensive linemen or defensive linemen that will say that. But um, it, it, it's always impressive. Um, and I remember Dante Fowler, watching Dante Fowler when he was at Florida, catching passes one-handed. Amari um, – and it makes you feel bad about yourself when you're down there on the field with some of these guys, and they're only 17, 18 years old at the time, and you're just like, I was never going to be that kind of athlete. So, yeah, he, <laughs> he, I don't know that you're, they're going to line him up at tight end or anything, but, yeah, he, uh, if he gets his hands on the ball, he can get one, and he certainly did, uh, as you heard in that highlight you were playing, uh, ending the Utah game last year. Yeah, I know, and that's big, and that's that's something that the Raiders have needed as a guy that can get his hands on the ball and and turn it over, right? Create turnovers for the for the uh, for the team, and so they haven't had a lot of that in the past few years. So that could be a nice little contribution. So, what do you think his ceiling is? Like, how much better can he get? It, it'll be interesting because I think his development was held back so much because he was a man without a home, uh, really, for his first three years at Florida. Um, like I said, he started. At, at safety and, and at Florida, they kind of moved the safeties and the nickels interchangeably. Um, and then all of a sudden, now you're asked to play linebacker, and, and he had to put on a lot of weight uh, to be able to play that position. So, um, two, three years into his development of linebacker, like I said, last year was by far his best year on the field for Florida. Does that development continue? 
Does he just continue getting more comfortable? If he does, I think he's a serviceable starter um, in the NFL. And like I mentioned before, he's a guy who uh, is team first and will have no problem uh, jumping in on any special teams. So I think that's where he'll make the roster this year um, and, you know, as he continues to develop at the linebacker spot. You segued into that. I want to ask Nesk about that weight where you said he did have to put on a lot of weight on his frame to move the linebacker, but he was second in the team in sacks. Do you think that maybe if it comes to it, they could maybe put him at edge a little bit as well? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, he, to me, he's, he has really long arms, got big hands, um, you know, but I, I, I don't know that he is, or I don't know that I've seen that from him, and that's not what Florida had asked him to do. So I, I wouldn't be able to speak on. Uh, what his bull rush or his spin move or anything that his pass rushing moves looked like, I think his sacks kind of came from opportunities where um, he was in zone and, and as he was becoming more familiar with the, uh, with the position of linebacker and doing his film study, just found spots to get in um, and, and find sacks where they were. It wasn't really that Florida was dialing it up for him. Again, we're talking with Nick De La Torre here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. I did want to ask you about Anthony Richardson. We talked to you in the offseason in the lead-up to the draft about Anthony Richardson and what he could potentially bring to a, a team. He gets drafted number four overall by the Colts. What are your expectations for her, him, knowing that he's going to be coached up by a guy who just helped develop Jalen Hurts? Yeah, that, that certainly doesn't hurt. And uh, I think uh, talking to people in, in Anthony's camp, they were wondering if Brian Johnson – uh, was going to get an opportunity to go somewhere to be uh, an OC or a head coach. Obviously, Philadelphia didn't need Anthony Richardson with Jalen, um, but Brian, you know, recruited uh, Anthony out of high school. Um, I, I I always thought that Anthony would be a great landing spot for him would be somewhere like Seattle, Minnesota, Detroit, where they have kind of established guys uh, under contract for the next two three years. Um, and I thought maybe he needed a red shirt. You're not going to, I don't think you're going to get that. I don't know if Gardner Minshew <laughs> right. is going to make Anthony Richardson sit on the bench. Um, but he's another guy. He, uh, he's, <laughs> if I were 6'4 and 250 pounds and I ran a 4'4 like him, I don't know if I'd have any chips on my shoulder, but guys at that level, they just find, you know, find ways that they feel slighted. So he, uh, he's going in there and he intends to start. I think they're going to get a guy who's, uh, needs to continue developing as a passer with his accuracy. Um, but if Anthony Richardson can get that kind of coaching and, and develop as a better passer, um, that really I don't know where the sky is. Uh, the sky or the limit is for him. Uh, it, it was funny. He said he used to call himself, I think, like Cam Jackson, a mixture of Cam Newton <laughs> and Lamar Jackson, and uh, I see it. Well, he's got his opportunity now to be, to be that guy, and it's funny. I got to talk to him, Nick, before he got drafted that Wednesday in Kansas City. Got a chance to catch up with him, and I asked him about visiting the Raiders facility uh, here in Las Vegas in the Henderson area, and he said, yeah, it's a nice area. It's nice, uh, but it's not as nice as what we have in Gainesville. So I ask you, what the hell do they have in Gainesville? That is so fantastic because, man, I'll tell you, what the Raiders have as far as facility is great. I don't know. I, uh, I've only been to Vegas once, and it was a bachelor party, so it's a little fuzzy, uh, but <laughs> But I, I don't know that uh, anything here in Gainesville, as I'm driving around in the car right now, can match uh, what I saw when uh, when I was down there and you know in, in, on the strip. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I think the Raiders might have a brand new stadium, which he didn't get to play in because he skipped the ball game. Right, right. Um, 
but I think that might just be uh, Anthony Richardson with his orange and blue glasses still. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good laugh that we got out of it. He said uh, the facilities weren't quite what they had in Gainesville. Said, so okay, all right, we'll see, youngster. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he was a <laughs> he was a good dude. He really was. So I, I definitely uh, you know pull for him and hope that uh, everything goes well in Cincinnati or in uh, Indianapolis. Excuse me. So as far as recruiting goes for Billy Napier, now that he's had a guy go top four as a quarterback, how much how much does that help the uptick as far as the recruitment uh, trail goes? Yeah, well, they had uh, they had a, a five star kid, a four high four star, five star kid last year, and then there was a whole NIL name, image, and likeness mess in Jaden Rashada, mm-hmm. um, and then they have a five star committed for twenty twenty four in DJ Lagway out of Texas, and uh, another four star just down the road uh, in Pahokee here for twenty twenty five. So I don't know if it's what whatever Billy Napier is selling, um, but whatever he is selling is certainly a lot easier. Uh, to sell when you can just point at the number four overall pick, and um, yeah, they've got some they've got some great quarterbacks to to be recruited, and and I think Anthony and DJ, who's the uh, the guy that will be coming in next year for Florida, have a good relationship, and uh, I think Anthony Richardson even told him uh, on Twitter, you know, you're next um, on draft night, so uh, certainly doesn't help, certainly doesn't hurt uh, to be a college football coach. You know, uh, Nick Saban can probably point to uh, yeah. I mean, it might be an Excel spreadsheet at this point of the guys he's had go in the first round, but yeah, it does not hurt recruiting to have uh, your starting quarterback go fourth overall. No, no, not at all. So, final question for you: What are the expectations next year uh, for for Florida? I know they wrapped up spring ball not too long ago. Of course, basketball season will come up, and of course, uh, you know you have baseball season going on as well there. Uh, but what what are your expectations for the Gators uh, on the gridiron next year? They're coming off of a six and seven season. They have to go out to play the you know two time defending Pac twelve champion Utah to start. You've got LSU on the schedule, the back to back national champion Georgia Bulldogs. It's a really, really tough schedule for Florida and, and without Anthony Richardson, I think you take a big step back at quarterback. I think Florida's gonna be looking to get to a bowl game, maybe seven and five. Um, and you really just need to to bank on this recruiting class that they're putting together that uh, our site has ranked fourth overall in the country right now to kind of hold on and, and continue showing forward progression in the program for uh, Billy Napier going to his second year. That'll work. That'll definitely work. Well, what do you got coming out on three sports that we should be on the lookout for? Maybe keep us up to date on what's going on with the Gators. I'm, I'm in baseball season right now. Florida's nice. a, a, a top five, top ten team in the country, and uh, – and uh, we're following them. It's only two more weekends, and then the SC tournament, NCAA tournament, wow. and uh, and then recruiting never sleeps. No, despite what Dan Mullen, despite what Dan Mullen said, uh, there is no recruiting season. It's twenty four seven, three sixty five. So uh, we have updates all all going on right now as the coaching staff is out uh, visiting guys um, at their high schools. No, there's no doubt. There's never an end to recruiting. Even when it's recruiting's down, it's not down. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like it is always going on one, one way, one how. Uh, there's always a recruiting time. Well, Nick, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, man. We definitely appreciate you. Great stuff. Thanks for giving us a little bit of a background on Amari Bernie. We appreciate you. Appreciate you, Q. No doubt, no doubt. There he goes. Nick De La Torre, Florida Gators senior writer on 3 Sports. On Twitter, at De La Torre, D-E-L-A-T-O-R-R-E, that simple. You want to get some updates on the Florida Gators and a little bit of background, a little bit more background on linebacker Amari Bernie. 2.46 at the time. We'll come back, close out hour number one. It's Radio Nation Radio, 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Nick De La Torre, Florida Gators senior writer on 3 Sports. Join us to talk all things Amari Bernie out of Florida, the sixth-round pick, number 203 overall. 
We threw the question out there to you. Delbybroke.com, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, the Raider Nation listener line as well, 702-365-9200. You can hit us up anytime we don't have a guest. One, we talked about the Black Friday game. We spent a lot of time with it on yesterday's show. And then Vic Tafer put out there today, he was responding to Peter Schrager from NFL Network and uh, the uh, Good Morning Football about the Raiders-Steelers. That should be the Black Friday game. And every year, the home team rotates. So one year be the Raiders, the next year be the Steelers. So I threw it out there. What are your thoughts on that idea? And then also, what Raider veteran are you looking at to take the next step this season? Who is it going to be that steps up or who needs to step up in a major way? Again, 69187, keyword R&R. Jim from Yonkers, Nate Hobbs, and Devon Diablo coming back after their injuries. You know, I'll stop right there on his text. Devon Diablo is a good is a good one, too, because remember last year, we had a lot of expectations for Devon Diablo to take that next step, and I remember him playing in the preseason game, and we got an opportunity to talk to him a couple times, and he got injured pretty early in the season and was never able to come back, so that's that's a good one. I just want to see how his, you know, w- what his development looks like, because he basically missed the majority of last year, and so that's, that's obviously going to take a step back, plus it's a new scheme at the same time, so does he... Does it take even longer for him to develop because he missed so much time? So I think Devon Diablo is a really good one. For me, I, I know it's all about the injury, but I think that he's A-OK. He only played in eight games last year, but he was leading the team in tackles at the time that he, you know, unfortunately but what, missed what the What kind of, of tackles? See, that's the thing. Tackles are misleading. They're not all created equal. You know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Some tackles are really good tackles, and then other tackles are like you're catching up to the play, you're down the field. You know what I mean? Like you're, 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 yeah, you're making the tackle, but you're not really making a play, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Well, for me, if you're like if your safety is leading you in tackles, that's not something that you want. Right. But for me, that shows that he's getting to the ball. He's he's definitely around the ball more than 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 other players on the team. And I don't know if he's going to step up. I'm not trying to say replace Denzel Perryman, but he's better in coverage than Denzel was to me. I'm not saying he's going to be the green dot linebacker. Yeah. But when it comes to being that will that offside linebacker, I think that Devon Diablo, it's his job to lose. Okay. All right. And so uh, Jim goes on to say Latavius was drafted in 2013, which is correct. Uh, t- uh, 2013 round six he said I thought I said Steelers at Raiders on Black Friday lol and then lol the Knicks and Warriors are on the break of elimination thank you for a great show Jim from Yonkers and yeah I'll just go ahead and cut to the chase because Vegas Pete's gonna hit us up anyway Vegas Pete he be he's like looking for me Vegas Pete is on he has like an APB out for me anytime the Warriors do something bad or even close to bad he's like ah got him got him where's Q Fire up on him. You know what I mean? He, he gets me in the scope, man. I, all of a sudden, I look up. I was watching the Warrior game last night, and I had a red dot on my chest. And I was like, oh, damn it. Where's Vegas Pete at? Like, I know he's right there. He's always coming for me. He cannot wait till the, the Warriors lose in this series so he can hit me back and say, ah, your team is out. That's fine. They're not very good, and they make a lot of bad decisions. Let's just call it what it is. That, what they did last night in the, what, last six or seven minutes, inexcusable. Inexcusable for a team that – has that kind of pedigree. They just made so many stupid mistakes. I'm just watching the TV, just shaking my head. And it's funny, Damon. I have this rule that whoever the Warriors are playing, whoever scores 100 points first is going to win that game. And they were at 99. I was like, oh, the Warriors are about to hit 100. And then they didn't hit 100. Lakers hit 100 first. And I was like, well, there you go. That's the game. And, it, <laughs> and, and that's, that's what happened. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. So, yeah, you're right, man. The Warriors definitely on the brinks of elimination. The Knicks... I mean, yeah, they're on the brink of elimination, but they're the Knicks, and they're happy that they won their first series, right? I mean, so they're they're in a good position. They've got to still continue to develop and bring in more talent, but at least they've taken a step in the right direction. The Warriors took a step in the direction you don't want to go. 
They're in the playoffs, but you know they got a lot of issues. And I guarantee you that team next year will not, not look like the team that they have this year. And, uh, yeah, I think you said Steelers at Raiders as well on Black Friday, but uh, Vic Tafer put the twist on it with each year the other team hosts the, the game. So one year it's the Raiders, the next year it is the Steelers. So uh, hit us up with your thoughts, 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next as we kick off hour number two, John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.